Sound like a banjo this morning. The title to this morning's message is The Same Blood. The Same Blood. Now, I'd like to start by asking you guys a favor this morning. If you're related to somebody that's attending service, would you just raise your hand and keep it up for a minute? Not just your spouse. Yeah. Yeah. Put them up. Put them up. Not, not spouse. Cousins, whatever. Brother, sister. All right. You can lower them. Thank you. Uh, Matthew Henry suggests that God only made one male and one female, so while future generations would understand, we are all made of one blood. Amen. We are, in essence, related to every other human being through the blood of Adam and Eve, our very first parents. So knowing that now, if you're related to somebody in this room, other than your spouse, would you please raise your hand? Do I have to start over? <laughs> <laughs> Through Adam and Eve, that one blood, right, they filled the earth. We are all of the same blood. Now, knowing that, I would think it would be easier to love our neighbors as God commands us, knowing that technically we're all related to each other. If only it were that easy. Amen? Well, I want to start by pointing out a few things from the creation story this morning. Note that God created the whole world and every animal in it before 
He formed Adam and Eve and introduced him, them to it. He created the stars. He created the moon. He provided the beauty of the sunrises and sunsets for them to enjoy before they were even formed. He literally created a paradise in preparation for the birth of mankind, if you will. Before he formed us from the dirt, he made sure every creek, every river, and every ocean was in its place and filled, as the Bible says, with innumerable creatures, both great and small. Every single thing God created, every tree and every flower was in its place, waiting for man to arrive. The world was a free gift from the Creator. It was sort of like a baby shower, if you will, for the soon-to-be newborns. Just a reminder, and a side note, Jesus Christ was and still is a free gift for anybody who wants to be born again into a right relationship with our Creator. So as we're talking about baby showers, I, I think back to our household. When a baby shower was coming up for somebody, friend, family, whatever it was, my bride and my daughters would spend weeks trying to figure out what to get that baby. It had to be just the perfect gift. They wanted to be a blessing. Well, God only took six days to prepare his gift for the birth of mankind. But instead of diapers, instead of bassinets, he created the heaven and earth to bless those newborn babies. And once those babies were born, he gave, it, he gave all of that to them as an inheritance. So instead of a mobile over a crib, God placed stars over us, forming constellations for us to enjoy at night before we go to sleep. Genesis 1.28 says that God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So mankind literally had the whole world at their feet, courtesy of a creator who loved them. When I see all the hatred in this world, I sometimes wonder if God would still say that it was very good. And then I remember, God is not just our creator. He's our Abba. He's our father. And what kind of father wouldn't love his children? Amen? So I know he would answer yes. He would, he would say it is still very good. He loves us and only asks that we turn to him or turn back to him if we've walked away. Recognize his son's sacrifice and repent of our sins. You see, things were going pretty good for Adam and Eve when they were in that Garden of Eden. That paradise that God blessed them with. Or should I say, things were going pretty good when they were in a relationship with God. Things were going well when they were obedient to his will. His will. It wasn't until they damaged that relationship that things went to hell. Went to hell in a form of a serpent. Now I remember when my bride and I used to go back and forth to Buffalo to visit our parents and our, and our kids started working and they'd stay home. We'd have a list of about a million things. Don't touch this. Don't touch that. Don't have people over. Anybody else do that? 
Yeah, don't, don't you dare, don't forget to feed the dog. Don't lock your brother in the closet. Don't. We went through a whole bunch of things. But as I look back into the creation story, I noticed God only had one rule. God had one rule for our parents. We read that in Genesis 2.17. He said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. One job. They had one job. They were told not to eat from the tree of knowledge. But eat it, they did. And they were punished for it. But technically, we were all punished for it. The original sin allowed sickness, disease, and death to come into the perfect world God had created for us. Now, God could have simply ended their lives for being disobedient. We see that throughout the Old Testament. He could have just, he could have just killed them, but he didn't. Instead of killing them, he forgave them. This is the very first example of forgiveness in the Bible. And I think it's easy to overlook that because we look at what he did to them. See, because what he did is he held them accountable. He forgave them, but he held them accountable. My mother used to say to me, I love you, but right now I don't like you. I don't know if you ever heard that or if that makes sense. God still loves them. But when they disobeyed them, I don't think he liked them much. And he had to hold them accountable. So he took away most of their blessings, most of their privileges, and of course he evicted them from that paradise, from Garden of Eden. He forgave them, but he commands us to do the same forgiveness, offer that same forgiveness to anybody, not a couple, not not a few. He commands us to forgive others the same way that he has forgiven us. Then we turn to Jesus in Matthew 18, 21 through 22. There's a conversation between Peter and Jesus. Peter came to Jesus and said to him, Lord, if my brother or sister sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. Now, most translations say 70 times seven, just like in our call to worship. Either way, Christ's point was we're not to limit the number of times that we forgive people. There's no set number on it. Back in the Old Testament, the Jews were taught to forgive three times. That was the number. Forgive somebody three times, and then you're done with it. You've washed your hands, you walk away, you, you, you're good. So notice here, Peter said, well, I'll just make that number seven instead of three. And, I, and, and I, instead of just doubling it to six, I'll kind of show off and say, should I forgive seven times? And Christ said, no, 70 times seven. See, because under the New Testament, under Jesus Christ, we're taught that the limit, not to limit the number of times we forgive. We're to forgive with as much grace that thousandth time as we did the first time. And I believe, believe me when I tell you, not only have I had to forgive someone hundreds of times, but people have had to forgive me hundreds of times as well. I'd be lying to you if I told you it was easy. I'd be lying to you if I told you that I don't struggle with this myself. There are many times... I try to convince myself that somebody doesn't deserve my forgiveness. But then I remember, I don't deserve God's forgiveness. 
Did he continues to forgive me every single time I ask him? No matter how many times, it's the same dumb mistake that I make. He doesn't rub it in my face. He doesn't make me feel guilty. He loves me. He forgives me every single time. And we're called to do that for everybody else. Now in the flesh, you've heard me say it before, it's impossible. I don't care who you are. We can't forgive people for hurting us or especially our families. We can't forgive people when they hurt our families in the flesh. But praise God, he sent the Holy Spirit to us. And we accept Christ and the Holy Spirit enters us. He's a part of our life. He allows us. He helps us to forgive over and over and over. One of my favorite parables in the Bible, I like all of them, but one of my favorites is the one on the unforgiving servant. You find this in Matthew 18, 23 through 35. It reads this this way. For this reason... The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, the Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payments to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him by the throat, said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you have not had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I've heard it said before, the one forgiven much should forgive much. The one forgiven much should forgive much. In other words, the principle of forgiveness is that, that grace or forgiveness to another is without limit. We are not to count the number of times we forgive somebody to hold it over their head. Rather, as this parable just taught us, we're to forgive much because God has forgiven much. Anybody here been forgiven? Amen. And as, of course, I've said before, Leanne's favorite, sometimes we have to fake it till we make it. Sometimes we have to fake it till we make it. Sometimes we have to pray over and over 
and speak forgiveness over and over until it finally settles into our hearts and we're truly able to forgive someone. And maybe, just maybe, that someone is ourselves. Maybe we've been struggling with something and we're so angry with ourselves for something we said, something we did, some, some addiction. We have to forgive ourselves, right? Last week, talked about save yourself before you can save other people. Well, you need to forgive yourself. You need to bring that junk to the Lord. Forgive yourself, free yourself, and then go see who you need to forgive. In the first parable, the first servant had been forgiven all. And because of that, obviously, he should have forgiven all of the second servant's debt. As followers of Christ, we have had all our debts forgiven. Amen? We've had all our sins forgiven. That means when someone offends us or someone sins against us, we should be willing to forgive them from a heart of gratitude the same way Christ does every time we ask him. Not begrudgingly. Now notice I didn't say we should forgive with the same grace. Christ forgave us. I said forgives us because he continues to forgive us. It's not a one and done. Yes, he forgave us for our sins, but he continues to forgive us today. Teaching us to continue to forgive others in the same manner. At the wedding yesterday before it started, I had a discussion with Pastor Bob and I was excited to tell him that I was preaching on forgiveness today. And boy, his face lit right up. And he goes, you know, in all the counseling I do, 99% of the issues when it gets down to the, what, what the problem is, it's forgiveness. Either they, they can't forgive a spouse, they can't forgive a parent, they can't forgive a child, or they can't forgive themselves. It's a message that we overlook way too often. Forgiveness. So I was pretty excited to have that conversation. And as you hear me say the Lord's Prayer, you notice I always say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So we're asking Jesus to forgive us in the same exact manner that we're forgiving other people. What does that say? What does that tell us? It's a simple conclusion. If I fail to forgive others, I'm telling Christ, you don't have to forgive me. Because forgive me in the same manner that I forgive other people. But it also means that if I'm quick to forgive, or even if it takes a while, trust me, if I forgive others, Christ is going to forgive me. It's in the Bible. Christ will fully forgive me if I fully forgive other people. Now hearing that, and believing that, I'd like to take some time this morning for all of us to ask the Holy Spirit to show us who we failed to forgive. I know it's on somebody's heart this morning. It was on mine all week. There's a lot that goes on in the world. Today's the day we're going to bring it to the altar, we're going to give it to the cross, we're going to give it to Jesus, and we're going to try like crazy not to take it back with us when we walk out that door. When we get to it, if you want to come to the altar, come to the altar and pray. I'm going to play a song during it. You don't have to stand for the song. I'd rather you be in prayer or be on your knees up here at the altar. You have to understand, unforgiveness is like a 50-pound weight that we're carrying around. 
So if it's one person that you're mad at and you just refuse to forgive, you got 50 pounds you're lugging around all day. And if it's two people, it's 100. And if it's three, it's probably more than that. I don't know. We got a school. We could ask somebody that actually took math. But that weight just bears us down. It slows us down. That weight of unforgiveness keeps us from being our best. It's kind of hard to witness the light of Christ in the community when they know we hate someone or they know that we're not going to forgive someone. It's impossible. Today, we're going to take that weight off our back. I want you to discard that weight. I want you to give it to Jesus. See, that cross that he carried, that cross that was so heavy, that cross was that heavy because it carried our sins. It carried your sins, my sins, the sins of the world. He literally carried all of our sins to the cross. And he took it to the cross for each one of us. Now the enemy tries to convince us that not all people deserve our forgiveness. Now we know, first of all, that he's the father of all lies. But we need to realize that forgiveness is not about whether it's deserved or not. Do you follow that? We forgive people whether they deserve to be forgiven or not. Otherwise, that prayer would be, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who deserve it. Who are we to be forgiven with all that grace and then not to pass that on? Myself included. Ephesians 4.32 tells us to be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Maybe that's the one I should have on my mirror every morning for that gentle reminder. To be tender-hearted, to have patience with people. If God has forgiven all, the least we can do is do the same. So this morning I'd like you to ask the Spirit to give you names. And again, it could be you. Come to the altar if you're able. But I'd like you to get rid of all that weight today. There's too much going on. We don't, need, we don't need extra burdens. Let's be healed today. Let's be, let's be free today. Let's make it well with our soul today. Amen? Amen.
Before every meeting, the question it asks is, how is it with your soul? Oh, you can eat in moderation. I, obviously, I can't. <laughs> but that's a question every time to open it up. How is it with your soul? And it's a close-knit group, so we're able to you know, trust each other. It's not going to go anywhere. But you better believe, when you have somebody that you can talk to, that you can talk a problem out, things that you're going through in your life without being judged, that they don't scurry away from you because of something you've done, something in your past, or something you're going through right now. That's the difference it makes. If you can find somebody to share that with that you can fully trust, please do that. Start with Jesus. But it's nice to be able to talk to another person. Let us pray. God of all ages, who from generation to generation has heard the cries of your children humbly seeking forgiveness and has welcomed sinners back into your embrace, hear the thoughts of our hearts, examine our motives, forgive us our faults of word and action. We ask all this through your Son who died that we might know the true cost of forgiveness. Father, your love for humankind, present in the beginning of all things, extends throughout history and touches our lives. 
Your love sees failings and forgives. Your love feels pain and wipes away our tears. Your love knows grief and comforts the sorrowful. Your love sees sin and still loves the sinner. Forgive us when we fail to live lives that reflect your love. Forgive us the many times we take for granted all that you've done for us. We ask you to transform us through your spirit and empower us to serve you this day and all days. Amen.